Amen. Look in Acts chapter number 7. Uh, we're going to look in verse number 55. Verse number 55. And we're continuing uh, with our series on forgiveness. On forgiveness. Being able to forgive. Uh, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, uh, we have covered several, several uh, different chapters, several different topics in this particular series. And we, we chose Stephen as one of the greatest examples of human forgiveness in the Bible. Would y'all agree with that? Say amen. He's being stoned unjustly. He's drug out of, uh, out of town and they are throwing stones at him. They are taking his life. Basically, he's being murdered. And yet he forgives the people that's taking his own life. Now, how was he able to do that? We talked the last couple of weeks about the three things that he had going for him. The three things he utilized. First was the scriptures. Uh, in chapter number six, you'll find he quoted verse after verse after verse after verse after verse. He was, he had the word of God in him. He was abiding in the scriptures. And we learn that there is power in God's word. Can we, do I have a witness? The most tangible, touchable, evident of evidence of God you have is your Bible. Do you realize the word of God is inspired? And the word inspired means God breathed. Do you realize what you have right in front of you that you're holding in your hand has got the breath of God on it? Are y'all with me? Then he utilized the spirit. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that moved on the face of the waters, that created everything that you see, all that you see, the same spirit that created the mountains and the, and the, and the rivers and the oceans and all that you see, the same spirit that went into the grave of Jesus and brought him back from the dead, that same spirit and power is in every one of you. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Well, today... We're going to look at the third weapon in his arsenal, which is the Savior. You have somebody on your side. You have somebody on your side. Uh, I'm glad we got somebody on the inside. Say amen. We have somebody on the inside. And listen, let's look in, in, in verse number, I'm going to get running, running a rabbit here. So let's just get uh, the verse, verse 55. If you found your spot, say Amen. But he, being Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly. What, what did he do? He looked up. Say it with me. That's what we need to do. When we're having problems, when we're struggling, when we're not able to do what we know we need to do, we need to look up. He looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Well, glory. You say, why is that so significant? Because everywhere in the New Testament, you see Jesus after his resurrection, he is seated. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when it comes to his children and their need for him, he'll stand up on your behalf. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good stuff right there. I can just preach right there. Look in verse 60. Look in verse 60. He looked up. He looked up to Jesus and he had the power to do this. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. Read it with me. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. In his dying breath, he forgave those 
that took his life. Now that's forgiveness. And all God's people see it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your mercy, your kindness, and your grace. Oh God, we desperately need you this morning. This is such an important, important message for us to hear and to receive. Uh, Lord, this is going to help a bunch of people, not just those who are, who are trying to forgive. They're trying to let go of past wounds and hurts. But, Lord, that's just struggling in their Christian life, struggling in their prayer life. Lord, I pray that your perfect will will be done today. Move in an awesome way. Please, with the Holy Spirit, God, every word that I say, everything that I think, everything that I say, please, Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated out there at Fairview. Uh, I put some verses, I put some verses as a way of introduction. And I and I wanna I wanna make sure and help everybody understand this morning too. Uh, I know the series is on forgiveness. I know it is. We're trying to learn how to let it go. We're trying to learn how to forgive the people who has wounded us. And, and that is the primary uh, topic, the primary subject that we have been dealing with. How do we do that? What do we have that will help us do that? So forth and so on. But this particular message is not just going to help those who are trying to forgive. Uh, because everybody's not in that place. Some people, they're, they're, they're good when it comes to that. Uh, they have no grudges. They have no ill will to anybody. They have no past hurts that they're, they're struggling with. But, but you're struggling with things in your life. You're struggling, and, and this is what I mean. How many of you have prayed before and it felt like it didn't get past the ceiling? You prayed before and you felt like God didn't hear a thing. I, I, I didn't accomplish anything by that. This is going to help you today. This is going to help you today. It's not just for, so, so the reason I'm telling you this, because when I say this is going to help you to forgive somebody, you say, well, I don't have nobody to forgive, so I can just check out of this. No, 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 no. It's way more than that. It's way more than that. If you're struggling with your prayer life, if you're struggling with an issue in your life, if you feel like, hey, if you feel like God is not listening, this is going to help you today. Now, we said that he had the scriptures and we talked about that. If you wasn't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one. How do you utilize the scriptures to help give you the power to do what you need to do? Then we talked last week about utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to do what you need to do. You have a power in you that is incredible. You have a power in you that cannot be described. You have a power in you that can get the job done. Say amen. But today, how do we look? And I, and I titled this looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Now, look what it says in Psalm 121 verse 1. It's in your notes right there at the top. Psalm 121 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my, my help. My help cometh from the which made heaven and earth. What does the psalmist say? I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to look to him for the help that I need. I'm going to look to him in my struggle. I'm going to look to him with my burden. I'm going to do what I'm going to do what it says in the New Testament. I'm going to cast my care upon the Lord for he careth for me. Now, now, that's easy preaching but hard living. Okay, how do we do that? 
How do we go to the Lord with our burden? How do we come to Him with our request? How do we, how do we come to Him? How do we look unto Jesus? That's what we want to talk about today. Are y'all following me? Say amen. Now, we have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit inside. We have the Savior who is standing on our behalf in heaven. We have a man on the inside. We have a connection. We have a mediator that's there for. How do we utilize who's up there for us? That's how we're going to talk today. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When we go to Jesus... The first thing we have to do when we go to Jesus with a problem, when we go to Jesus with an issue, when we go to Jesus with a prayer, the first thing we have to do, especially when it comes... Now, now remember, the, the primary topic is forgiveness. The primary topic is being able to let go. The primary topic is getting over bitterness in our life. Unforgiveness. So, when that is an issue, the first thing we have to do is recognize recognize write that down real quickly and we'll talk about it we got to recognize before we can go any further before we can go any further we need to recognize how heinous a sin unforgiveness truly is we have to recognize how heinous a sin that unforgiveness really is now why is that important because first john 1 9 first john 1 9 says this if we what's that word Everybody say it. If we confess our sins. Now, now, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we confess our sins. Now, some people have the mistaken assumption that that means I did it. I did it. That's not what that means. God knows you did it. God knows you did it and was going to do it before you did it. It's not saying I did it. Confession here, it says confess. Now this means to think the same thing. To acknowledge. Look what the definition. Confess. Homo legeo. Homo means same, right? Same. Legeo. To assent. To acknowledge. Watch this. Say it with me. To to think the same and... Now what that really means is you come into agreement with God... About your sin. You come to a place where you understand how heinous a sin unforgiveness is. That's confession. That's confession. There's a lot of people that says I did it and you're not even sorry you did it. That's not confession. Confession is where you come to say God I acknowledge my sin. You are, you are saying, I completely understand how this has broken your heart. I completely understand. I see the offense that I have created in my life against you. The psalmist David says in Psalm 51, after his sin with Bathsheba, he is coming to God for, for forgiveness. He is coming to God for cleansing. And this is what he says. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I, I, my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Watch this now. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Now, if you go back and look, 
you will find out that he, in, in our eyes, in our eyes, his, his, his evil was against Bathsheba. His evil was against Uriah. And if you want to really look at it, his evil was against the baby who died because of his sin. But he is saying here, God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. I acknowledge it. He says, my sin is ever before me. You know what he's saying by that? I see it. I see it. I see. I acknowledge. I am assenting and I am agreeing with you how bad this is. You're coming to agreement with God. In other words, this is the easiest way to put it. You are seeing your sin like God sees your sin. You know, let me tell you what's wrong with the the American church and the American Christian is we see everybody else's sin but our own. And we see everybody else's sin how God sees it, but we don't see our own sin how God sees it. And this is going to be important, guys. I'm telling you, this is going to be important when we go into point number two. We're going to have to start seeing things the way God sees them. Now, how can we prove this? How, how can you say that this is a heinous sin? Preacher, sin is sin. Oh, no. Oh, no. Matthew 18, 32. Matthew 18, 32. This is, wh- this is where all this began. This is where this whole series began. We're going through the book of Matthew. We land on this particular portion of Scripture, and we find out something about someone who did not forgive. Matthew 18, 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, what did he say? Wow. Say it again. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity for thee. And what's, what's 34 say? And so we see three things there. Because of this servant's unforgiveness, he called him a wicked servant. He was very angry, and he delivered him to the tormentors. Now watch verse 35. Let's all read 35. So, okay, let's stop right there, because I lost you right there. You was doing good till you said, Shall my heavenly Father do also unto you? Now let's all together now. If now I want to give you three things right here. Now what are these three things? What what is my goal for these three things? To show you how heinous a sin unforgiveness is. First, I want you to see the accusation given. The accusation given. Who's speaking in this chapter? Who's speaking in this chapter? Jesus is. Jesus is. Now, what does he say? What does he, what does he call? What does he call the man who did not forgive his brother? Say it again. That's pretty stout, wouldn't you agree? He didn't say, oh, thou that made a mistake. Oh, thou that's struggling with an issue. No, that's terms we use. Because we, we try to dress up sin. And we try to clean it up so it don't look so bad on our behalf. 
We, we don't use drunk anymore. We use alcoholic. We, we, y- y'all with me? Come on. But what does God call a person who does not forgive the person that's wounded them? Oh, thou. That's what God says. I'm not telling you what I said. I'm telling you what God says. I'm trying to get you to see unforgiveness like God sees it. Now watch this. Not only the accusation given, he said, thou wicked servant. Then B, I want you to see the anger shown. He didn't just call him wicked. He was mad. He was angry. Now, why was he so angry? Why was this such a big deal? Why was this such a big deal? I'll tell you why. Because of the forgiveness he had already shown this man. And what this is saying is God has already forgiven us of a greater debt than anybody could ever owe you. And when you refuse to offer forgiveness, I'm going to tell you this. God is not happy. God is angry. That, that brings us to, to see. This is, this is the most potent one. What was A? We see the thou wicked servant. B, the says the Lord was wroth. The word wroth means very angry. Then C, the action taken. The action taken. It says he was delivered over to the tormentors. Uh, Willie G, will you grab one of them tissues right there if you don't care? They're right there on the corner, right, right over that thing. Uh, there, there, are, there are consequences to different sins in God's word. Thank you, sir. Uh, you see, the Bible says that when there is sexual sin, you sin against your own body. So there is, there is a, 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 a completely different classification there. But in this particular sin, the Bible says that God is going to send things to torment you. In other words, if you go back, if you go back to the the previous messages, you will find that he will literally unleash demons to torment you, which will manifest itself in anxiety will manifest itself in depression, will manifest itself in anger, will manifest itself in an inability to trust, will manifest itself in, in fatigue. It's, oh, I, I've, just got, I've just got depression, preacher. I've just, got, I've just got anger issues. No, you've got a bitterness issue. And all of those things you just listed, you don't need a pill for them. You need to repent. Because it is something that God is angry about and he is sending it in your life because there is something that he hates and that is unforgiveness. Now you'll never, you'll never be able to do what you need to do when it comes to looking unto Jesus for forgiveness if you cannot see the heinous sin of unforgiveness. And I challenge you, I challenge you, find any other sin in the Bible that has those ramifications to it. That's how big a deal this is. So if we're going to go to Jesus for our help, if we're going to go to Jesus for our help, what's the first thing we must do? 
Come on, everybody. Listen, I'm, I, that's only the first point. Y'all usually don't get sold up to about halfway through the second. It's, go, it's not going to get any better. Okay? So if we're going to get help, the first thing we have to do is we have to see unforgiveness like Jesus sees unforgiveness. All right? Now, number two, let us hurry. First, we got to recognize it. Then secondly, we must remove. We must remove. You say, preacher, my prayer, my prayer is not getting past the ceiling. There may be an obstacle in the way. There may be an obstacle in the way. You mean there could be something get in between me and God? Oh, yes. You mean to tell me there's something that would cause God not to hear my prayer? Oh, yes. And I've got Bible to back it up. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And that what that is saying is there ain't nothing God can't do. And there is no prayer he can't hear. Y'all with me? It's not that he can't. And it's not that he's not listening. Watch what the problem is. But your... Come on, everybody. But your have separated between you and your God and your sins have done what? Have hid his face from you that he. It's not that he cannot hear is that he. You know what he's saying? I want to do something for you, but there's something in the way. I want to answer your prayer, and I can answer your prayer. I've got power beyond your wildest dreams and imagination, but I will not as long as you have this in between me and you. Watch this. Psalm 66, 18. If I... All right, let's move over and read the the definition, and then we'll come back to the verse. Regard means to... To, in other words, if we're practicing sin, what do you mean if we're practicing sin? If you're harboring unforgiveness, you're practicing sin. Okay? So what does it say? If I regard iniquity as sin in my heart, read the rest. Does it say the Lord cannot hear me? What does it say? He will not hear me. Now that kind of, that pretty much backs up Isaiah 59, doesn't it? Now I want to, and I can, but I won't, as long as you have this in between me and you. That's what that means. Now look, Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins. You can say, Hide. But let's use a a better way to describe that because I know us and I know me. He that maketh excuses for his sins. He that maketh excuses for his bitterness and his unforgiveness. Shall not prosper. But whoso. There's that word. Remember we studied in the very beginning. 
Whoever comes to, into agreement with God, whoever begins to see their sin like God sees it, and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, what does it mean to confess and forsake? Confess means you come into agreement with God about it. You see your sin like God sees your sin. You know what forsake means? Stop. Say it with me. Say it again. Now, let me illustrate this. There was a young man. There was a young man who came to a stop sign and did a rolling stop. And the police officer pulled him over and gave him a ticket. And then the next day, the next day, he did the same thing. The same police officer pulls him over and gives him a ticket. The third day, the same thing. Roll and stop, pull him over, give him a ticket. The young man is furious. He says, why do you keep giving me a ticket? I'm stopping. He says, let me help you understand what stop means. He snatches him out the car, takes his billy stick and starts wearing him out. And he says, now, do you want me to slow down or do you want me to stop? I think he got, he he understood what stop meant then. Now, when it says forsake your sin, it don't mean slow down with it. It means to. Amen. Now watch, now watch two things I want you to write down. How are we going to remove this obstacle? How are we going to remove this hindrance to our prayers? First, there's got to be remorse. You know what will happen? If you're a true child of God, you know what will happen? When when you see your sin like God sees your sin, it will break your heart. You You won't make no more excuses anymore. You will be like David. I see it. It's ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this wickedness in thy sight. You won't be saying woe is them and woe are y'all and woe are thee. You'll say woe is me. Listen, remorse. Psalms 34, 18. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. The Lord is nigh. Let's all read it together. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a. And saveth such that be of a. The word contrite, I gave you the definition there. Deeply affected with grief or sorrow. Let me ask you a question to those that are struggling with unforgiveness. When's the last time you had a deep grief or sorrow over your unforgiveness, not what they did to you? When is the last time you've seen your unforgiveness as God did and it affect you Deeply, and you grieved and sorrowed. You see, the Bible says the Lord is nigh. That means close unto them with a broken heart. And save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a... And a... O God, thou will not despise. I added 2 Corinthians 17. You don't have that in your notes because I added it this morning. 
But 2 Corinthians 7.10, y'all have that back there? I don't know if they gave it to you. Okay, let's read it up, up on the screen, guys, up on the screen. For, in other words, godly sorrow will cause you to repent. Godly sorrow will cause you to stop. Y'all with me? The word repent means to turn. If you're going that way, now you're going this way. Okay? Godly sorrow. That's what we're talking about. But there's another kind of sorrow. All right? Godly sorrow will cause us to repent. It says, work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the... Say it again. But the... Work is... Now let me explain the difference. Let me explain the difference. Godly sorrow is you're sorry that you did it. Worldly sorrow is you're sorry that you got caught. Godly sorrow is you're sorry, you're remorseful, you're broken, that you have been unforgiving and it has offended the heart of God. Worldly sorrow is you're, you're sorry because you're having to deal with anxiety and depression and anger and bitterness. And Are, are y'all with me? If all you want to do is solve the symptoms in your life and you want to stop being angry and you want to stop being uh, fatigued all the time, you want to stop being depressed and you don't see that this is a thing between you and God and you've offended the heart of God. If you're just trying to make your life more comfortable and not want to get right with God, you'll never find the answer. That's why it's so important to recognize how heinous a sin unforgiveness is against a holy God who has forgiven you of such a great debt. And all of God's people say it. Because when you begin to recognize how God sees unforgiveness and how God views this, it will break your heart. It will cause godly sorrow. You're not sorry because you can't sleep. You're not sorry... Because you're fatigued, you're not sorry. Because you are depressed, you're not sorry. Because you're angry, you're sorry. Because you've broken God's heart. If there is not godly sorrow, there will, there will be not, you will not have true, B, this is B, you'll not have true repentance. How do we remove the obstacle in the way? How do we remove the obstacle to our prayer life? Through remorse, godly sorrow, a broken heart because of our sin, then be true repentance. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord. And, look at this, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. unrighteousness. Just come to God and get completely honest. It's that simple. Number three. What was number one? Everybody. Number two. Remove. Remove, we got to get the obstacle out of the way. That's why I tell people when we take the steps, when we take the steps to forgiveness and being able to forgive our neighbor, 
or our whoever it is that's hurt us, we have to go to God first and find forgiveness for our own sin. Say, preacher, why is that so important? You remember what we said in the very, very beginning of this thing? That forgiveness is supernatural. Say that with me. Forgiveness is? Revenge and bitterness and anger is natural. That's not hard. I can do that. I'm good at that. That comes natural to me. But to forgive the person that hurt me, that is, come on, that is, then that means I got to have a supernatural power to get it done. But if I'm going to need supernatural power to get it done, then I'm going to need supernatural. I need God. But if I'm harboring unforgiveness and I'm harboring sin, he will not. Do you see how this works? So you got to get it fixed between you and God before you can ever get it fixed between you and your neighbor. Listen, remove the obstacle. Get that sin out of the way. Get that. Listen, get it out of the way. Number three, request. Request. I I put two words here. Completely. The only reason I use that word because it started with a C. I didn't want to change my second word because I couldn't figure out a word that I was really, really looking for. But so I want you to put beside that word completely, put this beside there so you'll know what I'm talking about. Be specific with God. Be specific with God. Let me illustrate this. When you pray for the lost, don't say, Lord, save the lost. I want you to say, Lord, save Junior. Lord, save Henry. Lord save Loretta. Because when you make it specific, it gets personal. And you get honest with God. Are y'all with me? Don't say, God, take care of my needs. Say, God, take care of my $375 dentist bill this week. Y'all know where I'm going with this? You see the difference? There's a major difference. Don't be generic in your prayers. Don't be don't be specific. Ask God completely. Ask Him exactly what you need. Hey, you may need to ask God to help you see your sin like He sees it. I mean, you may have to go way back. Your prayer, your prayer may not be, Lord, help me forgive. No, you may, have, you may have to go all the way back to, Lord, help me see my sin like you do. Because you don't have a broken heart over your unforgiveness. You're still making excuses. You're still blaming the other person. You still feel entitled to being angry. I deserve to be angry. They did it. I know they did it. And I'm not trying to take away from your pain. I'm just trying to tell you how to fix it. But as long as you justify your unforgiveness, you'll never get healing in your life. I promise you, I'm not trying to be over spiritual with this and trying just to get you to get right with God. I want you to be able to sleep at night. I want you to be able to wake up and have a fresh morning. I want you to be able to wake up and have those memories healed in your life. I want that for you. But this is the only way that happens. But as long as you justify it, as long as you keep making excuses, as long as you... Covereth your sin. 
you'll never find healing. And so go to God specifically, wherever you're at in that stage. Say, God, help me do this. Please help me to see this like you see this. Help me break my heart. Break my heart. Cast thy, Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And this is a promise. He shall sustain thee. He shall never, say it with me, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7, say it with me. Say it again. Y'all see those two words, care and careth there? Care and careth? How many of y'all see that? This means yes. This means no. How many of y'all see that? That first word care in the Greek means that which distracts. That which bothers you. In other words, the things that are keeping you up at night. The things that's causing tears to come to your eyes. The things that you're struggling with. He said, give it to God. Cast means to throw. Means to throw. How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever thrown a cast net? Anybody know what I'm talking about, a cast net? It's like a big net comes out in a circle, and you've got to cast it. You put part of it in your mouth. I mean, when you're from South Florida, you learn that when you're like two. And you put the cast net in your mouth, you put it a little bit over your arm, and you swing it. When I was little, when I was little learning how to do that, and it's, it, trust me, it is not simple. They make it look simple on TV, but it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, there's like certain things you got to do. And if you forget to do, it's not good. I'm on the bow of a boat. And as a little kid, I, I, I remembered everything. I had it in my mouth. Brother Travis, you know what I'm talking about. You've been with us and Joe. And I had, I put some of the net over, over my arm and I made this big swing and I threw it and I did everything but let it out my teeth. I forgot to let go with my mouth. And if you, if you know what a cast net is, it's got big old weights at the bottom. So this is a lot of uh, inertia, momentum, weight shift. Guess where I went? Right behind the net. You can't go to God and say, here it is, and then take it back and put it in your pocket. Casting means to throw and release. That's what most of y'all are doing. But the problem is, you're like me. You're keeping it in your mouth, and now you're in the water. Amen. That's good preaching, Rev. That's good preaching. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful. That word means anxious, worry. Be careful for nothing but in everything. How many things? Everything. everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request. There's our word. You remember we're still under completely. Specifically. He's saying be specific. Your request. You see he uses the generic term in the first part. But in everything by. But in everything by. You see, that's the generic. But then he, gets, he says, but make a request. Be specific with your, yeah, with your prayer. 
In your prayer, there should be requests. In your prayer, you should get specific with what you're asking God to do for you. Does that make sense? Amen. Now watch this. And the peace of God. The peace of God. God knows we need that. Say amen. Which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Make our request a. Make our request a. Come on everybody. Make our request then be confidently. This is good. Matthew 21, 22. And all things. All things. Whatever it is you're asking for. Whatever you shall ask in prayer. So no matter what your prayer request is. Whatever, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, what's the next word? Ye shall. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That's wonderful. I'm going to believe God for a Ferrari. Okay, slow your roll a little bit. We got, we got to add another verse so you understand. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to pray for a Ferrari, but I ain't got much belief it's going to be in my garage when I get home. Y'all with me? So how, how do we pray in such a way that we can be confident? He says, don't pray unless you're going to believe you're going to get it. But how do we come to the place where we can believe that we're going to get what we're asking for? Oh, my goodness. Watch what the Bible says. First John 5, 14. And this is the... And this is the that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his, he, woo, and not only does he hear us, but if we know that he, whatsoever we, we know. That's confidence. That's assurance. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I always wondered that until I put those two together. How do I pray and always believe that I'm going to get what I pray? How many of y'all can be honest for about 30 seconds this morning? Come on. Boy, some of y'all can't, man, y'all, I'm preaching on honesty next week. How many of y'all, how, come on, let raise your hand again, let me see, let me see. Okay, here's the survey. How many of y'all prayed before for something or asked God for something, but you really didn't think it was going to happen? I prayed for it, but I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in it. And then when, the, when I read, if you're going to pray for something, you've got to believe, because if you don't believe, it's not going to happen. Right. Well, doggone. How do we do that? Well, according to the verse, we have to line up our prayer with what we know the will of God to be. Right. Now, here's the good thing. Let's stay in context. Forgiveness. 
How many verses have we gone over and over and over and over and over through this series that was a command that we forgive? Do we, what, what uh, Cesar, what Peter say, do we forgive seven times? No, seven times, meaning unlimited. Did God not say, if you don't forgive that person, I want to do this to you? Right? Does it, not, does it not say, be ye kind one to another, tender hearted? Say it. So that's a direct command. How many of y'all would agree with me if we can find a direct command in God's word, then that means that's his will. Isn't that great? That means if we go to God and say, God, please help me to forgive. Make a specific request because he wants you to because it's a direct command. It's according to his will. And we know that if we ask according to his will, we have the petitions for which we ask for. Yep. So what's the problem? There's an obstacle in the way. Preacher, I've asked God to help me forgive that person and I still hate him. I know. Well, you said if I ask and it's according to his will, yeah, but, but he hadn't heard you. Because your sin and your iniquities have separated between you and your God. But guess what? When we see our sin like he does. When we quit making excuses for our unforgiveness and see it like God sees it, our hearts become broken and we become contrite in spirit, grieved in spirit. And it's in that moment that we can come to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my unforgiveness. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my disobedience. Wash me thoroughly. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this iniquity in thy sight. Purge me, as David says. And in that moment, in that moment, listen everybody, in that moment, the ear of God begins to turn your way. And it's not that he can't hear, it's that he won't hear until you deal with that that's in the way. And when you deal with the obstacle, he turns his ear your way. And then is when you can say, God, help me to let it go. And we know that's according to God's will. And if we pray according to God's will, we have this confidence that we have the petitions that we ask. I don't know about you, but I feel right now in my spirit that this may be the most important message you've heard in years. This message has the potential to bring more healing in your life than you've ever known. But it will do no good. It will do no good if we are just a and not a Because James said, the man is not blessed in his hearing. He's blessed in his deed. That means when he goes and does what he 
And all God's people see it. 